Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's driving the conversation in California today? Every weekday at this time, we explore a topic that's making news in our state. This is the State of California. And good afternoon. I'm Doug Sovereign, KCBS political reporter and host of the State of California, along with Jeff Bell. Well, tomorrow marks one year since the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, an uprising unprecedented in American history. It has spawned a lengthy criminal investigation as well as one by a special House committee. Yeah, more than 700 people have been arrested so far for their roles in the attack. Hundreds of them have been convicted. There's been an overhaul of the Capitol Police, new security measures put in place, and the political fallout continues. For more, we're joined live today on the KCBS Ring Central Newsline by Dr. Jason Whitehead. He's both an attorney and a political scientist. He's an associate professor at Cal State Long Beach who focuses on legal and judicial politics and the rule of law. Thank you so much for being with us today. All right, so the rule of law was uh, was really tested a year ago, wasn't it? How fragile is it in our democracy, and, and did we pass the test? Yeah, I think that's a really great way to frame the question. Um, I think it really depends on what the rule of law is. If we're thinking about the rule of law as sort of a set of institutional norms and rules and laws, I think there's a way in which it did, in fact, hold. Um, it certainly held Trump throughout his presidency from going further than he wanted to go. And certainly on January 6th, um, one of the things that we saw with the Electoral College uh, counting continuing, even after the building had to be cleared of the rioters, right, there were certain norms that did hold in place. But I think what didn't hold was more of a cultural trust that we have in one another, and the ability of the process to be fair, not so much the ability of the process to be fair, but a perception that the process is unfair, kind of um, really outlandish uh, set of lies that was told up through uh, January 6th. And that kind of cultural narrative is really hard to battle. So in that sense, I think the rule of law as a cultural norm uh, is really in jeopardy going forward. If we look at that as a teachable moment, have we learned in the year since? I think we have learned in some ways, right? I think that there is a great deal of awareness that's being placed uh, not only by the media, but I think by everyday Americans on this kind of problem that we face that we never thought we would face. Um, I think you're seeing a number, at least I'm seeing a number of different um, symposia, forum, uh, forums that are being held by magazines, newspapers, on social media and all kinds of places talking about what are the lessons of January 6th and also what are the ongoing threats to uh, local uh, elections going forward for 2022 and 2024? So in that sense, I'm, I'm sort of optimistic. What makes me pessimistic, I think, in terms of it being a teachable moment is who's willing to really be taught by it, right? I mean, if you've got a certain segment of the population, as I think the poll numbers kind of bear out, that uh, is willing to listen to one kind of narrative about the real America being undermined, being threatened by a kind of increasingly totalitarian left, 
you know, there's a sense in which, you know, anybody would react um, maybe even in violent ways if you thought that totalitarians were really taking over your country. So how do you fight that? How do you teach people out of that? That's a tough question. Yeah, I mean, the surveys do show an increasing acceptance, especially among Republicans, uh, of the use of violence to express political disagreement. So how concerned are you that we may be headed for a repeat of January 6th or something even much worse? Well, so one thing that really gives me comfort here is that, well, comfort's probably a strong word, but one thing that uh, makes me, I guess, a little bit less threatened is that we have lived through periods of American history, even in the not-so-distant past throughout the late 1960s and early 1970s, where people not only thought that violence was justified, but actually carried out widespread acts of violence, um, you know, in response to political um, phenomena. We, we had the weather underground. We had a wave of assassinations in, in the late 60s, early 70s. Now, um, I'm not saying that we're that we are in a less perilous time in the sense that, you know, we just have to wait until those things happen until we do anything about it. But I guess what I what I'm thinking in terms of violence is that we have to think about what is it that is is fueling the kind of increase in the feeling that violence is justified. And here I go back to this, this notion of the rule of law as a kind of a trust that's built up between citizens. And to some extent, this, this loss of trust has been going on really uh, for generations, uh, but really since the 1960s, you can read a lot of different academics talking about our loss of social capital, our loss of, of real opportunities to encounter one another and hear one another's stories across political divides. So I look at those polling numbers and I kind of go, I think that's sort of a symptom of what's happening uh, in that larger, in the larger, the frayed nature of our larger social interactions. And that's got to be repaired, but that takes time. Professor, help us extrapolate all this forward. There are some who warn that there could be worse violence in 2022 or 2024, uh, even the threat of some kind of a civil war. Is that alarmist hyperbole or something we should be taking seriously? I mean, I think you definitely have to take it seriously. Anytime you're seeing um, the things that we saw a year ago tomorrow uh, in the Capitol, um, you've got to start taking seriously claims, especially false narratives that have been spun out over the course of time um, that might motivate people to violence. More so uh, extremist groups and other groups that acted as a vanguard on that day of January 6th that I think are, many of them are, you know, have been arrested and are being charged, some of, some of whom are going to face a lot of jail time um, as a result of their actions on that day. So in that sense, we have to continue taking that seriously. In the future, though, I think Part of the problem that we have when we have, um, you know, a watershed moment like this is we always have the sense that the same thing is going to happen. It's going to happen the same way, and so let's prepare for it to happen that way again. My sense is that, you know, it's going to happen differently next time. It may be a lone wolf act of violence. It may be um, people showing up and, you know, shutting down local election facilities, for example. It may very well be that the election in 2022 certainly will probably, in, in many of these races, will not be um, all that close. Um, and so, you know, if it's not that close, then you don't have the kind of shenanigans that are being played, you know, that could be played on either side of an election, but were played on the Republican side last time. Um, I think one way to take it seriously is to really start um, 
really digging into the local elections um, infrastructure of our society that people kind of just take for granted. You see Republicans, um, especially Trump-oriented uh, Republicans, uh, running for seats uh, in these local election on these local election boards and running for local um, election official positions um, in Pennsylvania, in Ohio, and a number of other swing states. And that's something that I, th- I don't think Democrats are really um, or really anybody is, is has an answer to. Um, I think it's something we've got to really pay much more attention to local politics than we have before. And that kind of runs against this national narrative of the national peril uh, that we're in. We, we live in such a national political age. Um, it's partly what's driving our polarization uh, that we tend not to focus on these local things, which are going to be probably the thing that will make us or break us in the, in the next presidential election. All right. Well, a lot to keep our eye on. Thank you so much, Dr. Jason Whitehead, attorney and political scientist, associate professor at Cal State Long Beach. Thanks for being with us tomorrow. We're going to speak with Silicon Valley Congressman Ro Khanna, who was at the Capitol a year ago when this all went down, about his thoughts of where we stand now. You can hear the state of California every weekday at 3.30 p.m. It's also available at kcbsradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Sovereign Nation. I'm Doug Sovereign, KCBS. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 